Well, I am just delighted to introduce to you uh, a real dear friends of Jenny and I, uh, Pastor Jess and Brenda Strickland. Uh, they left like an hour, an hour and a half early this morning to get here. Like just, uh, they're over in Beaverton, Aloha, pastor a great church. They've been pastors in our city and region for the last 40 years. Come on, isn't that awesome? And, uh, you know, Paul told Timothy, commit these things to faithful men and women. I'm so grateful that there are people in our city that love this city, love Jesus, have built up phenomenal churches, and uh, they've just been such dear friends to us. Uh, pastor Brenda, in her own right, is an amazing pastor, and uh, she just uh, loves the Lord, uh, gift of wisdom and counsel on her, and if you get to meet her afterwards, please say hi to her. You'll be blessed by that. Her and I share a love of shopping. So that's a good thing, right? <clears throat> Jess doesn't get it. We're praying for him. It's okay. But uh, one of the reasons why I love this couple, one of the reasons why I love Pastor Jess is his love for Jesus and uh, his love for the local church, his love for the city. And uh, I want you, ALC, to stand to your feet. I know I've had you do it a few times, but would you stand to your feet and put your hands together and welcome Pastor Jess as he comes to open up God's word to us today. Thank you. It's a joy to be here this morning. I share a love for your pastor and his wife. They are excellent souls, tremendous gifts to the body of Christ. Um, I could spend a sermon telling you what a great gift this church has been given in Gareth and Jenny. They, like they check all the great boxes. Um, it's just like they're incredibly gifted. You'll discover this in both of them. They're incredibly gifted, but they too have a deep love for Jesus. They too have a deep love for the local church. They are great family people, love their children, have all of that uh, in the right place. And so just to uh, be able to have a friendship with them is a tremendous honor. Uh, I will at least try to obligate them both to miss at least one Sunday a year from here and come and do the same thing for me because I want his touch in our church. I'm 98 uh, this week. <laughs> and so as you get a little bit older, you need you know younger people to come in. And it's really funny because there's not a lot of older people now pastoring. And people ask me all the time, when are you going to quit? I don't know. I, I, I felt like the Lord said, don't think about it until I tell you. So I don't think about it. Uh, but what happens is you need younger men around your life that are in the game and women that are themselves fathers in the church and in the faith. You have that here. And uh, let me just say this. What an incredible thing it is to walk in this place and there is just an emoting of faith. There is an emoting of love and kindness. Like I, I just looked out the window in your pastor's office, people coming in, I said, I just love watching people come to church or families coming to church. And like when we say hi to people and you look in their eyes, one of the greatest things that can ever happen is you look in somebody's eyes and, and the eye is communicating back, I really like seeing you. And that's all over this place. And so you have a wonderful church. You've got 
a wonderful destiny ahead of you, and you're just in really good hands. I love the worship this morning. It was just excellent. And then, like, it's the trifecta of, like, it doesn't get better in church than this, a baptism, communion, uh, you know, it's just, it's just wonderful. So thank you for letting me be here today. I, I, I cannot speak enough of how uh, wonderful it is to be here. I have a verse when I look at you. And the verse is just a, a simple verse. That's, it actually was a verse I read this morning. And it just said, the doors opened of their own accord. And I just, that's my prayer for you. I, I think maybe, maybe there's some doors that the Lord would like to just open of their own accord for you into something maybe you have not thought of before. And as I was just sitting over there, and you know, you're kind of in my eyesight as I'm, I'm worshiping, I just felt like the Lord's sense of great love, compassion, and um, you'll understand this in a minute, kind of an attaway that he would be speaking your direction. Attaway, girl. Attaway, girl. Attaway. So I think some doors are just going to open of their own accord for you. I was looking at uh, you over here this morning in the plaid and the, and the gray shirt, and I just, just this verse came to my mind. My soul does magnify the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he who is mighty has done great things. And I just felt like the Lord wanted to kind of wrap you up as a couple and do some incredibly mighty things uh, in this moment and in this hour for you. Things that will surprise you. The great thing about Jesus, sometimes we think we got to earn stuff. And that's not really so much with him. Sometimes he just loves us so much he wants to do some great things for us. And so I just let kind of your soul just enjoy Jesus and love on God. Because I do believe he wants to do some mighty things in your direction. That's kind of beyond and above what you could do for yourselves. There was a... There was a coach up at Puget Sound uh, University and had a football team there. And, of course, they would be able to go out on their practice field and they would sometimes get to look up at Mount Rainier. And as they were looking up at Mount Rainier, sometimes he would stop the whole practice and he would have the team start shouting at the mountain, Attaway! 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 It's kind of like when you look at the Grand Canyon, isn't it? It's just like, I mean, it takes my breath away every time I go. And it's just like, wow, God, did you ever have a good day on this day that you made this little valley here? You, you were having a good day. And so he wants him to shout at the, you know, at the mountains Attaway because he's saying, listen, isn't it amazing what God has done? And he wanted to connect something in them. He wanted to connect because when they would do something well, he would say, Attaway. And he was kind of connecting something for them. When I'm saying Attaway, it's not just you're doing a good job. You as a creature are someone that God wants to be yelling at you, Attaway. And I want to confirm it. And I think there's more Attaways that are going on in the body of Christ than we could ever imagine coming from Jesus himself and then through Jesus' followers. I, I think about uh, like where I would not want to be, like you're, I'm going to a lot of funerals now, you get of the age where you do that, and just like, was that one this week? I'm saying, like, I don't want to be there when I die. I, I, I'm like Will Rogers. Will Rogers said this. He said, I, I want to die like my grandfather, peaceably, and in my sleep, not like the other passengers in his car screaming and yelling. <laughs> I have just decided that's the way that I want it right there. <laughs> I think like, man, I wouldn't want to die having cement blocks tied to my legs and dropped in some water. 
I'd want to avoid that. I wouldn't want to be swinging from a tree, you know, like in the Old West, a rope around your neck. Like, come on, I, like, I don't ever want to be there. Wouldn't want to be caught up in a tornado and things flying through my bodies. Would be uncomfortable. I just don't think that would be a joyous day. I, I think about places I, I wouldn't want to be in. I wouldn't want to be 35,000 feet in the air and, and, you know, and, and plummeting to you know, my demise. I wouldn't want to be there. But especially, I wouldn't want to be 35,000 feet in the air seated next to a grandmother who was, and can I just say this, whoever introduced smartphones to grandparents, like, what were you thinking? They were happy with their flip phone. They didn't need to learn something new, but then they learned Instagram and Marco Polo and everything else. And so here you are. And because you booked late, you're in the, in the, in the middle seat or in the, in, against the window. And there she is. She's taking you through all the pictures. <laughs> and then she opens up the photo albums. And you, you got to watch these videos. And you're having to watch the entire long-distance swim of her, of her granddaughter coming in eighth place out of eight. <laughs> and, and then she turns you and she says, oh, you got to see this. And, and now that her grandson is in some piano recital, he can't play chopsticks. And she's saying, isn't this beautiful? And then you're just clearing Oregon airspace and moving into either Utah or Idaho on your way to Atlanta and she informs you, I have seven other sets of grandchildren. I would want to be any place else but right there. And I've been there a few times. There's another place I wouldn't want to be. I don't like to be in a place where I'm getting corrected. How many of you know if you do not like correction... You, you should have never wanted to be a husband. How many of you like got that figured out? Like that was a bad deal being a husband. Like, whoo, what was I thinking? Being a husband. It's like your wife has all the relational intelligence and you have none. And so when she's sitting around telling the grandkids and the family and the friends, the knucklehead things you do, you have no defense because it's all true. No, actually it is a lie. It's actually far worse than what your wife is telling you. Love this cartoon of a, little lady she's in the car and she's kind of looking exasperated at her um at her husband and he's kind of hunkered down you know beneath the seat and 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 she says another man who won't ask for directions another man who suffers from directile dysfunction I mean, because the last thing you want to do is receive correction. It's the last place you would ever want to be in life. I get it. I understand it. I wish it wasn't true. Proverbs says this, conceited people do not like to be corrected. Oh, now on top of I don't like correction, now I discover I'm conceited. And I find that most husbands are at least a little bit conceited. Uh, if you correct conceited people, you will only be insulted. I, I don't know if that's true, but I will say this. If you correct me, you definitely will be insulted because I, I'm going to try to defend myself at some level. Recently, a, a friend called me. He had been stuck in a perplexity. We'd walked together many years. He'd helped me plant the church some 40 years ago. He said, I've just come to the realization that I spent most of my life not having put Christ 
at the center. We talked for 15, 20 minutes and just wept. We just, we just so wept together. I wanted to say, you were wrong, but before I got to, you're wrong, he said, my wife tried to tell me I was wrong, and then I gave her this proof, and then he said it to me, and I realized, well, God is dealing with him. And I was thinking at that moment, man, the last place you'd ever want to be is in a place of correction, but his place of being in a moment of correction where God was telling him, you didn't put me at the center of your life, and this is how you should do it, became a sweet thing. So he's weeping, I'm weeping, and he's saying, he's saying, Pastor Jess, I mean, here's a friend that we started church together. He still calls me Pastor Jess. He says, Pastor Jess, he says, uh, he says, if not for Jesus and the cross, I'd be an absolutely broken man right now. See, taking correction can be, I think, absolutely sweet. We live in odd times, I believe. I believe we live in times that are completely perplexing. Now, I would say it this way, and this is kind of a whole thing on its own. I don't believe Jesus has ever left the created universe. I think Christ seated at the right hand of God means he's invisible to us and he's not appearing, but his throne is in this universe. I think when he's saying he's present, he means he is absolutely present. I believe all authority has been given to Jesus and he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. I believe that the kingdom is now and the kingdom is at hand and he has your life more than you and I can know it. And yet... The perplexity of there's difficulties. There's things that go on outside of us. There's beasts outside of us. There's wolves within. I call them that way. And it's so, it is so perplexing. So much so that even in Malachi's day, everybody was just kind of wanting to just, let's just forsake God. Let's just, let's just forget God because he hasn't kept his word. We've been here 75 years and, and no one's here. The city isn't really done yet. Even though the temple is done, there's, there's no one living here. There's no, we're just not prospering. And, and so they started going out and they started marrying, um, intermarrying, marrying pagan women. And they, they had just absolutely given up. And so Malachi perceives himself as kind of a John the Baptist. And he says, listen, God is coming to you once again. Your, your worship is lax. Your morality is wrong. You've, just, you've given up on God because he, he didn't seem to fulfill in your timing what you wanted him to do. And so Malachi says, I'm, I'm coming to correct you in the spirit power of Elijah because what I want to do is I want to turn. And he, this, when God moves in a church or when he moves in here, here many places. Here's what he does. He turns the hearts of fathers to children and the hearts of children to fathers. Because he says if, if we don't get this, if we don't get the, the fresh thing happen, happening right from the beginning, he says it'll bring a curse on a land. You wonder what's going on in America right now and there is such a separation in families. In fact, we're having a hard time even defining what a family is. And and God in his church and among his people, he's trying to say, listen, what I'm trying to do in my church, I'm trying to put families back together again because I'm wanting to do something fresh in America. Because if it doesn't happen, then what happens is a curse starts coming upon people. We're seeing a little bit of that in the America, in the, in the world we're living in right now. So you think, isn't that kind of a perplexity though, pastor? Because he is king, he's ruling, he has all authority. And yet we have the perplexity of these things that are engaging our lives that are kind of anti and obstacle to all this. And I would just like to suggest to you that I think that the Lord would want to come and it's, it, it seems like it would be uncomfortable, but the Lord wants to come and he wants to bring correction. 
But it's not as bad as we think. Correction can be, I, I think, because you know, the, the fears we have about correction, that correction could be far more wonderful than we had ever imagined. Listen, it's in, 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 in my mind, the most important thing that you will do as parents is you will hand your ways down to your children. We were sitting in a restaurant this summer on vacation, and this guy comes up to us, and he and my wife are talking about food because she's really, she's really good at, uh, at cooking things. She, makes, she can just make things taste really, really good. I've tried to cook. I've tried to be creative. Uh, and listen, I, I've put some unique tastes and flavors together. Um, they're hard to keep down, but they're unique. So I... So they're ta- and, and then he starts talking about, and, and I just, he had me. He says, you know, I'm from Turkey. And so he says, when we cut open a tomato, it's not like here in America, when we cut a tomato open in a room and that tomato falls open, he says, the smell of tomato fills the whole house. He says, when we cut a cucumber, really, does a cucumber even count as even a vegetable? Does it even have a smell? I mean, like you got to kind of push it in water or something. And they say, this is cucumber. It just... To me, it just, it just tastes like off water to me. But he said, and you cut the cucumber and you open it up. And the smell of cucumber fills the house. Water, I went through it all. And so uh, kind of the thought was, well, where do you get those seeds at? We'd like to get those seeds. And he tells us, he said, no, 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 no. These seeds that my parents grow back in Turkey have been for 500 years in our family. And when those seeds are handed to the children, they're told, take care of these seeds. And I think that's a lot of what parenting is. It's like, here, come on, here is the seed of the gospel. Here is the seed of, here is the, seed of the ways of Jesus. Take care of these seeds. And sometimes I think, just a little bit, if you don't, if you don't mind me saying this, sometimes maybe we get careless with the seed. We get careless with the ways that God has given us. And in getting careless with the ways, we're not, we're not ready to hand them to the next generation. So maybe, maybe everyone's why we need a little bit of a correction. But I don't think the correction needs to be scary. So I say it this way. A lot of people are living on the teachings of Jesus, but they're not living in the way of Jesus. The song this morning there's a better way. Youth pastor came to me one time and he was just, he was loving this guy that was preaching because his message was, it was very, very good. And I, I just, out of my mouth, I said, don't get too attached. Why? So I said, I don't think you'll be in a min- the ministry a long time. And he, he couldn't, like, he couldn't figure out, like, why? And I, I, I just didn't want to say anything. And I just, I don't know why I said that. Just forget it. But I knew him a little bit and I knew his ways were not a Jesus way. He could, he could preach the message. He could conform externally to some of the, 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 the things that the message said. But his ways, mm, a little bit troubling. So I want to read the scripture. It's going to take me a little time to do it. And I'm, obviously I'm setting this up. So if people like say, like, how do you preach? Well, 
it, I, I take 90% of my time on the introduction and then I get to the body of the message in just the last few minutes. People say, why do you do that? I don't know why I do it, but I just do. So we're headed, but I'm going to read a long passage that I think will be helpful to you and I'll make comments on it as we go through it because I want to get down to this issue because I believe that we can live in a season and in a moment of correction that will be wonderful and joyous. And it's kind of like, you got to be kidding me, Jesus. You love me this much that you will keep getting me back in the way of Jesus so that I'm able to hand something to the next generation so I can thrive and prosper the way you want me to so that, Jesus, you can rule and reign in my life in the middle of perplexity and obstacles and still be accomplishing what you want to accomplish. So I want to read this morning, if I could, out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. But understand this, that in the last days, which we're living, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self. In other words, they will sacrificially give their lives to themselves, lovers of money, and they will give themselves to sacrificing themselves for money and possessions and on and on. They will be proud. That means their thoughts, they will have thoughts in their mind that will consider themselves better than others needing more privilege than others. That's how they'll think of themselves. And they won't kind of think twice of it. We won't even realize that we were never built as people to make ourselves more important than somebody else. You were actually built, your life will thrive and have joy based on you making someone else and me making somebody else more important than me. But there's no thought about that. And so then they become arrogant. So proud has to do with thoughts. Pride has to do with thoughts. Arrogance has to do with words. So now my arrogance turns into words. And then it gets worse. Abusive. That means when they speak, they're a little demeaning of other people. They're disobedient to their parents. Meaning they, they, the honor is taken out of their voice for their parents. And they don't care about the institution of family the way they do. They are, they are um, ungrateful, which obviously means thankful. They are unholy. When you think of holiness, think of like, I have a vessel here, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to either wash it or you know, put some blood of a sacrifice on it in the Old Testament, and I'm going to give it to God. It's going to be devoted for only temple use. If you want a great definition for holiness, that's it to be devoted, devoted. So it says they're unholy. They don't respect being devoted. They don't respect fidelity and faithfulness anymore. Heartless, it means they're like without affection. They, they don't have sympathy and empathy. They're unappeasable. They get into situations where all of a sudden there's, there's an offense, but they cannot find it within themselves to forgive. They're slanderous, meaning they don't mind tarnishing other people's reputations. And that, that is just happening wholesale right now, just across our country, you know, through what's called the cancel culture. And by the way, I, I just beg you, as people of God, don't get involved in that. How many of you know that the worst sinner Jesus wants to redeem along with those he has abused. And we almost live in a, like, you didn't just say that, didn't you? Like, we should want to kill the abuser. No, I don't know if you realize this, but Jesus wants to redeem everybody. People are broken, and everybody needs redemption. But there are people that just say, I'm, I'm, I, I am not going to sign up for that. Slanderous, harness reputation, without self-control, unable to control impulses. Uh, young people with video games, uh, unable to 
control their impulses, and parents tend to be just letting this go on. I, I think the whole social media thing and even parents' involvement in social media, they say that more damaging to a, a young a boy and a young girl is watching uh, parents oftentimes their social media feed and what they're learning to become through their parents on social media just wanting attention. Uh, they are not lovers of good. In other words, uh, to be a good man is, Jesus was perfect and good because he was faithful. Kind of comes back around to that again. So they don't esteem faithfulness. Treacherous means they'll betray you. Reckless, insensitive to safety. They just don't care about the safety of others. Swollen with conceit. This would deal with narcissism and the sense of entitlement, lack of empathy, a need for admiration, all that stuff that comes with narcissism. Then it goes on. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Behaving, excuse me, having the appearance, the form of living out Jesus' message, but denying its power, not walking in the way of it. In other words, when you're talking about walking in the way of Jesus, it means there's hidden habits that you have in your and my life that create the external world that looks like, why well, you're living in the message of Jesus, but where the message of Jesus comes is in that inner life, you know, in the closet where Jesus is building something uh, in there uh, real deep. Okay. So having its appearance, but denying its power. So it says, avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women. It's really the household. Many uh, people, uh, scholars believe that what he's talking about is people, the people that he's just been talking about, creeping into households, sneaking into the house church and capturing the hearts of weak women. Many scholars believe what a weak woman is, is a woman not madly in love with her husband. And so she's easy to grasp that attention from. Just kind of showing you how Paul is laying it out for Timothy, I, I believe, how it's working here. So they're, they're women, they're not madly, they don't, they don't have strong marriages, they're not happy in their marriage, they're, 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 they're kind of looking for something else. He captures them. That, and this happens so much in the modern world. You see, when you hit my age, you just see it so much. It says, burdened with sins, led astray by various passions, always learning but never able to arrive at the knowledge. Kind of saying the same thing, always learning. They're learning the message of Jesus, but they don't ever get to the experience. It doesn't ever translate into any way that they have. It, it, it just doesn't work out that way. Just as Janes and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also, Janes and Jambres were those guys that were opposing Moses, you know, when he was, you know, trying to prove that, you know, listen, Yahweh is God and he wants to take uh, Israel out of Egypt and he throws his, you know, staff down, it becomes a serpent. Janes and Jambres, it's believed, threw their staff down too. So they could, they had a form. They looked like that they were godly. They looked like they walked in the message of Jesus. We can throw our, uh, we can throw our, staffs down and they become serpents. The problem is they could, not re, they could not redeem, they could not transform the serpent nature once it was out. So, of course, Moses gobbles up, Moses' staff gobbles up them. So these men also oppose the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. And so I think this, when we look at the world we live in, we have beasts without and we have uh, wolves within. And I believe this, I believe that the Lord is the Lord over all and he wants to make the kind of correction in us where we in no way are defeated by the beast 
that are without us and the wolves that even can sometimes come in among us. And what is a wolf that comes in among us? A wolf is somebody, wolves in sheep clothing, is somebody who looks like they're practicing the message of Jesus, but they don't have the ways in him. So they're, they're always trying to, you know, it's, they're trying to get money and power and everything that they do. Listen, there's a way to live in the middle of all this and not get angry and not get mad and to not yell, but keep your life moving towards Jesus Christ at the center. There is a way, there's specific ways that I I conduct my life. That doesn't mean that, you know, I don't alter them a little bit, but there's ways, and those ways are built in the closet room of Jesus where he's, he's allowing me to learn how to give him my heart, my fidelity, my surrender. goes on in verse 10, you, however, have followed my teaching. So he's going to talk about this. He's going to talk about his way now. My conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfast. In other words, this is just not something I put on. This is the the, the whole thing of of the power of God. It's, it's, It's in me, even to the very core. My persecutions and sufferings and what happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra which persecutions I endured, yet, now this is just so important, yet from them all the Lord has rescued me. If I could just like grab you by the collar and say, I don't care what you're going through, he rescues you from all tribulation. You get yourself in a tight spot, he rescues you from all. I thought you just went to a funeral on Friday. I did, and he rescued that man when it was time for him to die. He took him on in, and he's holding him for his resurrection body and the new heaven and new earth. I'm here to tell you, you're going through something. you got a God that will rescue you out of it all. But here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to give up before the rescue. You, you don't want to say, oh, I've been, I've been at this for a long time, and I've been at prayer, and I've been doing this, and God just hasn't been showing up. Don't give up. God will rescue you. So t- sometimes we need the discomfort of correction so that God can do certain things in our lives to correct our ways so we can, be re- we can remain ready for the rescue. Indeed, all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's bad news, but he says it. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you, he says, continue in what you have learned and what you have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So, here we go. I just, now, now that the introduction is done, we can start the sermon. Okay, we had to, we had to get, we had to get through that introduction Now we can get to the sermon. I just have three thoughts for you. Be wise in Scripture. Let Scripture make you wise. I don't like what I'm about to do. It just feels funny, and I do it everywhere, and it feels like I'm repeating myself. But as I was driving here this morning, the Lord said, I want you to do it. They need to see it. 
My wife does this. Sometimes I come up to the room and I see her do this every single morning. Uh, pastors that I've helped that have been in real trouble and some difficulties in their life, I've said, you should start your life here. And it is just amazing what has happened to them. Often, I, you know, I will go down because I get up early and don't like keeping my wife awake, so usually I'll go down and uh, study or read a little bit to the words that my wife is saying, please go down and go to sleep, don't read. But I will oftentimes read a little bit, and then I try to catch like a 20-minute nap somewhere so I get up at 3.30 somewhere in there so I did that this morning and so when I roll off the couch now if I don't roll off the couch if, I'm, if I come from downstairs and I, I know my morning is starting right there it goes like this I roll off the couch and it, it starts like this it starts <clears throat> Yahweh I always say that and then I say our Father in heaven Hallowed be your name. The word hallowed means ultimate. Your name is ultimate. And so then I go through everything. Your name is ultimate to disease. Your name is ultimate, and then I'll name a trial if I'm in a trial. Your name is ultimate, and then I'll, I'll put my wife's name in there, and I'll put my kid's name in there, and I'll put the church, I'll put everything. You are ultimate over all this stuff. You are ultimate. You were before it. You're in front of it. God, I give you my life today. And then I say speci specifically, your name, Yahweh, you are here right now, present with me. Your name is ultimate to me. Then I'll go through and I'll pray. It, this doesn't take long. It takes about maybe five to seven minutes. That's how I start my day. Because the whole part of our life is surrendering ourselves to Jesus. That's the way. Your way is better. Well, what's your way? I don't bring a sacrifice. I don't kill an animal. I just simply say, I'm yours. And he says, yes, and I'm yours, Jess. And I said, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. God, I, I, I'm no good with provision. I'll either do too much or too little. You get be my provision today. And then I'll go, oh, God, you know these things. <laughs> Not so good yesterday. That could have been a sin. That likely was a sin. That could have worked into it. Forgive all of this. And then I will let him bring names to me of people that I could be offended at and also bless them and love them. And then I end by, Jesus, come on, keep me out of the way of temptation and deliver me from the evil one that wants to take away my heart to be faithful. He wants to take away the way of Jesus. Then I go read scripture, having surrendered my life to God. We say it this way. So like, you have to pray the Lord's Prayer. It seems boring. Ask my wife. We've been doing this for years. The Lord's Prayer is not boring. He says, when you pray, do it like this. We say in our church, why pray another prayer when that one is so good? Why make one up on your own when Jesus said this might work for you? So I suggest that his way is this. If I want to nourish myself on scripture, I want to go to the scriptures with saying, I am yours and hearing him say to me, you are mine. The Lord's prayer, I think, is more powerful than any of us could ever imagine. Number two, and this is real simple, let Jesus form you through faith. Like this whole action of giving yourself to Jesus and as much as we can do it, as much, I'm giving myself to you. You're ultimate to my life. And let that kind of faith form. That's, that's the way. Let that form your whole being on the inside of you. And then lastly, be correctable. 
Do you know what we all need to become? We need to become grandmothers that everyone is trying to get away from. Because you know what grandmothers and grandfathers do? I'm going to mess you guys up, but i got to do this. Grandmothers and grandfathers, hey, this is my kid right here. Your kid's a mess up. I know you're not a mess up. Your kid's a mess up. Oh, he's my kid, though. He's in my lineage. He's mine. I love him. Well, he has some messes in his life. Yeah, we'll get to that stuff, but I love him. Correction is best when it's coming from the heart of a grandparent that can see the entire life of the person. And so what am I as a grandparent? Oh, my grandkids may be, (laughs) they may be a screw-up, but they're my screw-up. They're part of my lineage. They're going somewhere. They will not be defined by an act or a moment or anything they're doing right now. So we begin with correction this way. Out of way. (laughs) Out of way, buddy. Out of way. You're doing good. You're doing good. People get surprised at me. said, just had an affair with my wife. Really? Out of way. I just had an affair with my wife. Out of way. You're looking for some transcendent. You're looking for something beyond yourself. You're looking in the wrong place. Let's bring you back to where and who can really feed you. Jesus. I get what you're doing, but it's going to mess your life up. There's a curse with it. But you're doing the right thing and wanting to find something outside yourself. There's something better than that. Are you hearing me? In fact, I think this. I think the whole church should be filled with out of way, out of way, out of way. Why? Because when you've got the out of way of Jesus on you, when he's wanting to come and work a little correction in your life, and say, come on, let's work back more in the way. Let's work back more in faith. Let's get back more to the place of surrender. You know, when you're angry at something that happened, my boss mistreated me. I am angry. And then the Holy Spirit says, let's come back and get in the way again. And then no one's looking around, but you just put your hands up. Oh, Yahweh, you're ultimate. You're ultimate over the situation. I'm giving my heart to you afresh. You come back into the way. Why? Because you have an attaway on you. I'm an attaway. Jesus looks down at me and says, yeah, I like what you're doing. I like what I see. I've created you. We'll get through this. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And there may be beasts without and there may be wolves within. But I want to tell you, he has come to rescue you out of every single trial in Jesus' name. If you do not know Jesus Christ, I tell people he gave you the Lord, what's called the Lord's Prayer. Just either literally on your knees or the knees in your heart just say I give me to you I want you to I, 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 I'm giving me to myself you are my king and I love you bang all of a sudden guess what he does to you when you, when you offer that kind of a sacrifice he says well guess what I'm going to give all of me to you and that just goes on the rest of your life so we're trying to stay in that way perpetually Thank you for letting me share with you this morning. Would you just stand to your feet if you would mind? There is a preciousness about the Spirit of God in this place. There is, you know what it means to have the face of God shine upon you? It means to see the sparkle in his eyes that he loves you and he likes being with you. Can I say this about your church? 
I mean, met your elders, talked to your staff the other day. I'm looking at you. There it is. I see it. There's that sparkle in your eyes saying, mm, we like being here. I mean, you're looking at me and I'm a crazy old guy and weird and all that. We're kind of liking you. Do you know what? You have to leap over to say you like me. So it's going to be real easy to like the people next to you. You have that whole spirit in here. There's a lovely, tender spirit in this place. And you have no idea what God wants to raise you up to do as a people. It's going to be incredibly wonderful. So could we just lift our hands like this? Jesus, this is a precious people, a special moment, a gathering where you are present. The worship is about as sweet as ever experienced it in any place because it's coming from hearts that are living out even what I've been saying today, heart surrendered to you. Now, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you, keep us in that better way of perpetually surrendering to you. I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
that's our prayer this morning, even as just we close and Lord, we reflect upon a word from your heart to us today through Pastor Jess. Lord, what a word, Lord, to be challenged to, Lord, want not just the teachings, the knowledge, but the way that we would be a people who follow your way. And then this idea that, Lord Jesus, that's what you invite us into. You're beckoning us. You're calling us. You're calling us into that place. I just feel as we close today, you know, that even as Pastor Jess was sharing God's word this morning, that, you know, the Holy Spirit nudges us when God's word is open up to us. And oftentimes he'll put a little area or finger on an area of our life. And he said, hey, would you, would you give me that area? You're struggling and striving and trying all that in your own strength. I actually want to give myself to you in that area. And so even in this atmosphere, maybe there's just some area. And if that's you this morning, man, I'm putting my hand up and I'm saying, there's an area in my life that the Holy Spirit's saying, fresh surrender. I'm giving this to Jesus. And if that's you this morning, just slip your hand up. We're just going to close in prayer. We're just going to acknowledge, Lord Jesus, that we're giving ourselves to you. Or those areas where you're nudging us, you're saying, surrender that to me. Give that over to me. Practice my way in that. Lord, we're so grateful that we can do that. We're so grateful that we can repent and surrender and just give ourselves to you. That, Lord, you love us. You strengthen us. You're faithful to us. And that, Lord, it's by your strength. You help us to live out your way. Not in our own strength, but by your strength. And so, Lord, we simply say thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to come to you, to worship, to gather with your people. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said... Amen, amen, amen. Come on, what a great morning. Uh, our prayer partners are going to be at the front. We'd love to pray with you about anything. 
Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Guests, make sure to stop by Starting Point. God bless you. Have a great week.